Hello and welcome to Gather Round, the new podcast series sharing stories from Aberdeen Archives, Gallery and Museums. Each month we'll be talking to members of the team about the collection, special exhibitions, the histories of our fascinating venues and tales of Aberdeen. Sometimes they might be dark and dramatic and hopefully always entertaining and informative. In our first episode, listen in as Phil Astley of Aberdeen City and Aberdeenshire Archives and Dr D. Houle, Honorary Research Fellow in History at the University of Aberdeen, tell the story of the 19th century Aberdonian criminal, Grace McIntosh. My name is Phil Astley and I'm the City Archivist for Aberdeen City and Aberdeenshire Archives. And I'm delighted to be joined today by Dr D. Hall, who is an Honorary Research Fellow at the University of Aberdeen. Now, I think it's fair to say, D, that we've got a shared interest in the darker side of Victorian Aberdeen. Would you agree? I would. I would, yes. The darker, the better, probably. <laughs> so um, we're here today to speak about one of my personal favourite items in the archive, which is the Register of Returned Convicts for Aberdeen, which is part of the Grampian Police collection of records. And specifically, we're looking at one entry within that register. Now, the register itself has about 250 pages in it. And of those 250 uh, entries, there's about 70 or so that have mugshots connected with them. They tend to be the early ones pre-1900. And the one that we're looking at today is of a woman by the name of Grace McIntosh, or Masters. Now, um, her mugshot depicts a woman of the, well, the entry tells us that she's 51 years of age, although um, I think it's fair to say, Dee, that she looks a good bit older than that, doesn't she? Yes, she certainly does. And uh, I think in one court description of her, um, younger than this this actual photograph shows, uh, she's described as an old woman when she was aged 47. So at aged 51, she definitely is considered an older woman. That's right. And she's she's got a face that you might call um, lived in because she she has a really really remarkable life and um i think we we first started corresponding about grace mackintosh or masters when uh, she featured in a blog that the archive um writes called um criminal portraits and um i'd approached her story from one particular angle but you contacted me and um we were able to build together from the research that you'd done and the research that I'd done, a really amazing picture of her life, which we're going to be speaking about today. But just going back to the entry in the register um, and just looking at some of the details, we've already established that she's 51 years of age. It also gives her height as five feet. Her complexion is sallow. Um, she's got brown eyes, grey hair, um, her crime was theft and previous convictions. And we'll come on to the fact that these previous convictions were multiple and varied. And um, the sentence which the entry relates to is one of seven years, which we, she was given on the 5th of April, 1875, which 
is towards the end of her life. But looking at her age, um, she was obviously born 51 years um, previously. So um, that would have been around about 1825, is no, that it's, right? it's roughly about 1828. 1828. But it can't really be established with any certainty because... General registration didn't start till the 1850s mm-hmm. in Scotland, but um, Grace is uh, recorded as being Roman Catholic. Okay. And to date, we haven't found any baptism records for any of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, although um, two of her siblings are recorded as Church of Scotland, or Protestant at least. So okay. it's difficult to know... Um, whether she was Roman Catholic or not. Mm-hmm. But we certainly fa- haven't found anything, any birth records to date. Okay. I'm hoping somebody might know a little bit more than I do. <laughs> and w- what do we know about the early years of her life? She was born on Jack's Bray or lived on Jack's Bray, is that correct? Yes, she was, she was born on Jack's Bray and her father was George and she had at least seven siblings. Um, one of her siblings, Anne, who was quite a bit older, was transported uh, for theft uh, to Van Diemen's Land, which is now Tasmania, in 1831, when Grace would have only been probably three or four years old. Mm-hmm. And her brother, John, was also transported in 1834, when she would have been roughly about six and okay. he was transported to New South Wales in Australia in 1834. So um, the family um, had some kind of relationship with crime. <laughs> <laughs> so that they all had um, their stories to tell at quite a young age. So Grace's first brush with the law came, I understand, at the age of 11, Um and then she had a number of subsequent further court appearances. So what what kind of crime was she involved with? In... It, was, it was generally theft. She was, okay. she was involved with her brother, her younger brother, Alexander, who was only seven, I believe. Uh, and it was petty theft, mm-hmm. generally. Um, but uh, neither of them were convicted for it. It is recorded in the, uh, in the court records. Um, but they weren't convicted. And she uh, she then carried on uh, a while later with her elder sister, Helen, who was a couple of years, two or three years older than Grace. And uh, again, it was theft. Um, and, you know, previous, these previous convictions uh, were mentioned. Uh, actually, the term is habit and repute, a thief and previous convictions, mm-hmm. even though uh, the earlier court appearance had hadn't resulted in any prison sentences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still brought up at subsequent dates. Okay. So we're building up a picture here of um, a family and indeed Grace herself, who um, obviously very, very poor. And the type of crime that they're involved with that the family are involved with um is essentially survival crime isn't it yes Um, i'd agree with that yes mm -hmm. it is um times were hard 
I know it's a little bit of a cliche, but um, there was little work in Aberdeen at that point. Mm -hmm. And um, women and, and girls had to survive, particularly. And a method of surviving was theft, but not just theft from um, premises or uh, theft from um, people, uh, you know, that, uh, that they might have duped. It was more um, theft from people in the community, um, opportunist theft. And often, um, well, particularly Grace was uh, convicted for something called child stripping, which um, was prevalent at that point. And it, it, really, uh, it really encompassed older, older girls, particularly girls, um, involved with younger children. In Grace's case, she had three separate offences for stealing from children, um, aged just six and seven. Gosh. Um, and it, they were. It was things like their shawls, mm -hmm. and they took them round the corner and told them to give them the shawls and their caps, and then Grace. And anybody else involved with her would go to the pawn shop and get whatever money they could for these items of clothing. Mm -hmm. um, it could also be that they might thieve from a, a washing line. Mm -hmm. um, and all, all these things could be turned into money. Yeah. And this repeated cycle of petty theft... Um, was obviously coming to the attention of the authorities in Aberdeen and she was making multiple court appearances. Now, um, that comes to a head um, in 1844, doesn't it? Because her repeat offending results in her being transported from Aberdeen and following almost literally in the footsteps of... Um, two of her siblings to uh, being transported to Van Diemen's Land, what is now Tasmania. That's, that's correct. So um, what do we know about how she was transported? She was convicted in the court in Aberdeen. And what happened to her after that? Well, she'd already spent three months in, in the prison in Aberdeen awaiting trial. Um, they, uh, the court cases were tried at the assizes by the judges in the circuit courts so they only happened two or three times a year so they had to wait a period of time in order to be brought up in front of the judges and she was transported her sentence was seven years transportation and uh, she was transported the month after the court case down to Millbank Prison in on the banks of the Thames. But she, um, she was transported on a steamer from Aberdeen uh, that actually had an accident off the Yorkshire coast. Okay. And the steamer was almost wrecked, which <laughs> must have been absolutely frightening for all involved. And R then, remind us how old she is at she's, this point. She's... Um, She's around 15, Good 16. Lord. No, mm. no older than 16. Mm. But 
depending on how you work her, her date of birth out, I, I think she was 15. Okay. Um, and uh, when they arrive at Millbank then, they have to wait a further three months. And they were, there were five women in total transported from Aberdeen prison mm-hmm. at that point okay. down to Millbank. They were together mm-hmm. on the steamer. Um, and then they spent another three months in Millbank prison before they were put on the convict ship, ironically called the Tasmania. Okay. Uh, which set sail in September of 1844. Mm-hmm. And this all happened at the age of 15, which is remarkable when you think about that. It must have been the, like going to the moon yes. <laughs> yes. at that age and at that um, date as well in 1844. I mean, it's an incredible journey, but um, one that must have been really... Um, you know, really, really hard and really emotional, I would have thought. I think for so. Um, apart from the fact that she's left everything that she knew behind her in Aberdeen, mm-hmm. I don't think the family were uh, anything other than Aberdonians. Um, they didn't move to Aberdeen, as far as I'm aware, from anywhere outside the city. So her whole life would have been spent in the city she would probably never have gone on a steamer had she not been <laughs> yeah. sent to Millbank Prison. Mm. Um, the railways weren't, um, were only just being built at that point. Um, so the only option was to put them on a steamer. The roads mm. were terrible. Mm. The steamer took two days to get to Millbank and that must have been really traumatic even before they almost foundered off the Yorkshire yeah, coast. yeah. And then the prospect of a four-month voyage, which is what it was, uh, to Australia, uh, mm. to a penal colony, yeah. t- to not know what to expect or where, really, they were ending up. Yeah. Uh, it must have been really frightening. And even if you think she was 16, which is the maximum she mm. could probably have been at that point, um, she was the youngest from Aberdeen yeah. uh, the, yeah. of the five women. So she arrives in Van Diemen's Land in 1845, or is it still no, 1844? No, it's, it's still 1845. Okay. In, in fact, they arrive in Hobart on Christmas Eve. Okay. But they're still on the ship until the 27th of December. Okay. okay. Now, I know that you've recently been to Tasmania, I to have. the Female Convicts Research Centre, to... Um, to see and have first-hand experience of where Grace um, would have um, been imprisoned over there. Can, right. can you give us a, a little bit of an insight about the kind of conditions that she would have experienced there? Yes, well, um, she was sent from the uh, convict ship. They were put on barges and sent to another prison ship that was um, in the bay. Okay. Uh, in the river Derwent. And uh, it was called the Anson. And it was a ship where they they were kept for another six months. And they were taught to be compliant <laughs> and uh, respectful. And to read the Bible. And they were taught the, uh, various um, employments. Okay. They were taught to wash 
to be laundresses, they were taught to, to sew, uh, and they, they also made straw hats and okay. mats and anything industrious yeah. um, to keep them occupied yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the moral training uh, from the um, church, church uh, people that were there um, was relied on as well. They, were, they read their Bible and they attended uh, services mm-hmm. quite regularly. Mm-hmm. It was quite a strict regime. And once they moved from the prison ship, then they went to what was called the Cascades Female Factory, which mm-hmm. was a female prison in Hobart. And from there, they were, um, they were then sent out to workplaces within the community. Unfortunately, Grace um, went to her first week workplace uh, in Hobart and within a month was in court for theft. So it seems to be a (laughs) recurring thing with her. Um, And while she was in Tasmania, um, in Van Diemen's land, she was uh, uh, employed, for want of a better word, because they weren't actually paid, it was more servitude, by six different people in six different places around the island. And uh, throughout that time, she was brought back to the prison for um, absconding, for being drunk and disorderly, for theft, uh, and various other minor, or what would, what, what would be considered minor yeah. in, in a penal colony. Mm-hmm. There, were, there, were, there were women that were much worse than mm-hmm. Grace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But all in all, she spent probably her 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 prison term was seven years, okay. and uh, she spent twelve months of that seven years in one or other of the prisons the uh, on the island. And but one of the remarkable things is that she gets married yeah. while she's there, doesn't she? Well, there was a dearth of women that women. Um, were prized in Tasmania amongst the um, penal colony because it was mainly men that were transported. Mm -hmm. Women were in the minority. And she does marry a chap called Aaron Masters who came from Cornwall originally. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, it turns out, lied about his age he says on his marriage certificate he's 41, but he actually was born in the 1790s. No, was it 17? I think the 1790s, yeah. And he was actually 51, mm-hmm. it works mm-hmm. out. Okay. Um, so there's quite an age difference. I think yeah, Grace yeah. was 18, 19, and he was 51, 52. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, I always wonder what the conversations would have been like because she was obviously a girl that probably spoke Doric. And, and he... him from deepest, darkest, Cornwall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I'd have liked to have been a fly on the wall to listen to the conversation. <laughs> Whether they understood each other yeah. or not well, is uh, interesting. Is, yeah. is, is, yeah. is part of it, I think, yeah. But the marriage didn't last too long. Um, They did have a child, Henry Masters, who was born a year after the marriage. 
but nothing's been found about him. I, I think he must have died quite um, quite quickly after birth, but yeah. there, there is no death certificate for him that's been found mm-hmm. or any other um, any anything else other than a birth mm-hmm. certificate. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few years later, uh, Grace um, left her husband. Now, in those days, you could put uh, an announcement in the paper as a husband of a wife who was no longer in the home and say, effectively, I'm not responsible for any of her debts. Mm-hmm. And it was a disclaimer. Yeah. And this appears in the local paper in Tasmania. And then uh, the records show that Grace went to Melbourne. Okay. He pursued her to Melbourne two days after. Uh, but then he returns to Tasmania and she stays in Melbourne. Yeah. Now, that period is a little bit yeah. hazy at the moment. We haven't found any more records. And after, time there. after she's been in Melbourne, she actually comes back to Aberdeen. She does. She? Which yeah. is and another amazing aspect to this story is that, you know, at the age of 15, she was transported all the way out there. She serves her time out there and then she comes back. Um, now, what Aberdeen must have thought of her and what she must have thought of Aberdeen when she arrives back um, is just amazing to behold. But she it's not long at all before she's back in trouble, is it? No. Um, what actually happens is, I think, Aaron Masters pulls her again to Melbourne because the month before... She she uh, gets a ship back to the UK. He arrives in Melbourne. Okay. Um, now, there's nothing... I can't actually nail that down, that they actually met when he was mm-hmm. in Melbourne. But it's quite a coincidence that a few weeks later, she books a passage to London and, and spends four months on a voyage coming back to yeah, the UK. Yeah, yeah. And that's again is a another aspect that quite intriguing because the cost of her coming back to the UK would have been around eighteen pounds sterling in those days, mm. but that equates to something like twelve hundred pounds in today's money. Mm. So where would a girl like Grace have got that kind of money? Well, if you look at her history, you could probably work it out. But that's right. But again, it's a theory. Mm-hmm. And she comes back to London and ends up in, uh, I think it's the end of July she arrives back in London, 1854. Okay. But by October, she's back in court in Aberdeen. In Aberdeen. And a really remarkable um, piece of coincidence, really, is that in January 1855, there's a list of prostitutes compiled for the city of Aberdeen, which has close on 500 names on it. I think it's about 495. And this, this document still exists. It's uh, kept by the archive in the in the townhouse. And, um, you know, it's a really remarkable social document. But her name, Grace McIntosh's name, appears in this list, which is incredible. And... Also on that list is one of her sisters, Helen, isn't it? That's right. Isn't it? Helen's 28. 
and Grace is down as 25 at this point. Um, and this is the list that actually got me started on looking into the darker side of Aberdeen, mm-hmm. into prostitution in Aberdeen. And, ha- you know, Grace's story has evolved from that. Um, but the list is remarkable. It's handwritten. It's it's done in January 1855. And it's the only one I've ever come across mm-hmm. um, anywhere. And quite apart from all the names on the list, it also lists around about 36 brothels where, um, you know, this this oldest trade, if you like, is known to uh, take place. So the authorities at the time were obviously very keen on stamping down on this social ill. And we know from... Uh, another printed pamphlet which we've got in the archive that there was a um, a report done which you know the this list would have been the basis of that of that report and it would have been a way of the police commissioners of the time um trying to get a handle and some idea of the scale of the problem that they were facing but if we if we return to grace um so she's come back to aberdeen she starts reoffending again um presumably she's in and out of the prison in Aberdeen on a revolving door kind of basis well yes uh she is she's uh she's in, in court quite a number of times between 1862 and 64 for minor things like breaches of the peace um which could encompass fighting. Mm-hmm. It could also, it's part of um, the city laws, the city bylaws, and uh, if they are drunk and disorderly, you know, they have a day or two days in prison. And you've got to remember that um, Aberdeen was a port with 2,000 vessels a year arriving. It had soldiers garrisoned there at times. It had two universities. Yeah. It had navvies coming in to spend so their money. Plenty of customers. Plenty of customers for <laughs> anything uh, that mm-hmm. could go on in the darker side of Aberdeen. Um, but Grace continued offending uh, my, for these minor things until 1864 when she was given uh, a prison sentence, an eight-year prison sentence which she served both in air prison and in perth so perth was the that was the general prison for scotland wasn't it, was. it? and um anyone who was dealt uh, a lengthy sentence would almost certainly have gone to perth for part of at least part of their sentence yes what mm. happened was when perth was um full for want of a better word um <laughs> They, the authorities rented uh, prison cells in air prison and moved some of the women there. Mm. Unfortunately, the Perth prison records for women don't actually exist uh, until around the 1880s. So you can't actually look at the registers for Perth prison for the women. That's um, a real shame, isn't it? Which is why your... Uh, record with Grace, you know, the, your, your returning um, register for the police register is so vital. Yeah. This is the only 
evidence we've got mm-hmm. for uh, one of the women prisoners, or quite a few of the women prisoners that are in that your register here. Uh, that's why it's vital because you just haven't got that information mm-hmm. from any other yeah any other sort. That's right. Mm-hmm. And when when she was living in Aberdeen and doing this offending reoffending, um, do we know where she was living? Well, yes. Um, one of the times that she she was uh, in court uh, a little later than her sentence in uh, in eighteen sixty four was her next major uh, offence that took place in 1875. Um, and she was in Rettis Court. Okay. Now, there are two Rettis Court, it turns out, in Aberdeen. One is by the prison, just by where Queen Street, the, the Queen Street yeah. area. And the other one's off West North Street, mm-hmm. a very small court. And she was in the house of another woman, uh, called Mary Murray, and the I believe it was a one room apartment. Shall we want a better word? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't an apartment in any sense of the word that we understand it. It was a one room uh, accommodation. Okay. Uh, rented cheaply, and then probably sublet to Grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these two women were in the house in Rettis Court when they encountered a butcher called James Grant, who had been to the market to buy cattle and had on his person around about ninety-three pounds, which in today's money is about two or three thousand pounds <laughs> in his wallet. As you do. Yes. He manages to arrive at this house by whatever means and at one point he says he's invited in by Mary Murray whose room it is Uh, at another point it's suggested that her son uh, lures him in Um, and then uh, he he accidentally drops his wallet in a bucket of water (laughs) and the women dry his banknotes off (laughs) And at that point, they allegedly steal around about £30 from this wallet. Okay. Some of it's in sovereigns, wrapped in silk, and, but the rest of it is in notes. They're subsequently found out. Yeah. And, yeah. and Grace is given a seven-year sentence. But Mary Murray, her accomplice, is on eight months. Okay. So it's for the cumulative nature of her offending that she gets the seven years. Yeah, yeah and it's so. it's on the release, on her release from that particular sentence, that um, she's released on license, and that's why her picture appears in the register of returned convicts for Aberdeen, isn't it? That's right. So, um, it was incumbent on the prisoner um, when they were released on license to report. Uh, to the police on a regular basis after that. And we can see if we look at the register again in front of us here, that um, in 1879, in December 1879, she's listed at living as living at number 45 Guest Row, which was the Victoria Lodging House, which is now known as Proverskine's House. It was a, a DOS house, effectively, at the time. And then the last two entries... 
um, are rather sad because it says in January 1880, um, she's then at the Royal Infirmary in Aberdeen. And then um, on the 6th of February, uh, there's an entry and it says that she's reported dead. Um, what more do we know about her her death? Well, um, we know she died on the 4th of February, that she'd been taken from Victoria Lodging House, which may well have been a DOS house, but was a more respectable DOS house <laughs> than many of them in Aberdeen. Um, she was taken to the Aberdeen Royal Infirmary and she died on the 4th of February, 1880. And her death certificate records it being from bronchitis and emphysema. But she spent, Grace spent more than 28 years of her life in the prison system. That's over, over half, half her life. That's amazing, isn't it? It yeah. is. Mm. Um, but she was obviously poor mm. uh, and had few um, relatives. Certainly didn't have any um, children that we know that are living. Mm -hmm. Although there is a mention in one of the court cases where they, uh, it's mentioned that she may have a son in the Navy, which we haven't yet nailed down. Okay. <laughs> um, but she's actually buried in a mass grave in the poor section at Nelfield Cemetery in Aberdeen. Mm -hmm. And the council paid for that burial. Okay. Uh, and it costs shillings at the time. I think Grace would have been amazed at the interest in her life mm -hmm. 140 years after her death. Absolutely. It's, a, it's an incredible story and um, thanks ever so much for sharing this conversation with us today. It's Dee. been a pleasure, Phil. It's been a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed listening to our first episode and that it will inspire you to discover more on a visit to Aberdeen Art Gallery, Maritime Museum and Provost House. We're open daily and admission is free. You'll also find more stories on our Museum from Home pages at www.aagm.co.uk. Hit the subscribe button and tune in to next month's episode of Gather Round.